Welcome to the RSP Campus to Canton podcast. I'm Matt Waldman, and always a pleasure joining me every other week for this show. Felix Sharp with Campus to Canton. Felix, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, my friend. I had a great Thanksgiving. I'm having a great December. Everyone and their mama is entering the transfer portal. College free agency is insane, and you need to be playing in a Campus to Canton league if you aren't, so you can get in on this action. There are so many months with mate, like from coaches going from one program to another to having players just saying, yep, I'm leaving this program. Just imagine if like Jamar Chase at the end of the season was like, you know what? I'm just going to become a free agent. That is what is happening right now in college football on a massive scale. It's wow. very, very exciting. A whole lot of fun. Yeah. So let's talk about some of that in more detail, especially from the, from the point of view of being a campus to Canton um, you know, GM and what, what that means for you. What are some of the strategy? What are the things that you're, you're looking at? Like maybe what are, who are some of the impactful um, players that have declared that they're entering the portal and, you know, the portal does not sound like a good thing to me. You know, I think of like a porthole or like <laughs> sure, some sure, sort of yeah. 80 science fiction portal. But, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure they've, with all the CGI going on, they've spruced it up since the days when I was watching Alien in 1980 or 79 or whenever it came out. So what's it like now with all the CGI effects and, well, and, well, and, and the AI brushovers that we see, you know, recently? The portal just uh, allows a player to be recruited by other teams it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to leave their program but since the NCAA implemented that rule uh, three four years ago we've seen it grow every single year uh, the portal opened on December 5th and we've already had over a thousand players uh, enter the transfer portal and wow. I think I think the NFL only has 1400 players so we're talking about like you know 70 percent 70% of, of, you know, wow. just saying we can be recruited, but there's a lot of money in it, Matt. Now, I mean, players are being recruited and drawn to the transfer portal because they can um, get money somewhere else to go, maybe even potentially life-changing money. As a matter of fact, not trying to be cryptic, or but we've heard firsthand from some of these players' parents that they've been recruited by teams and that, they have the, that the, their sons have the potential to earn life-changing money. I mean... It's been reported on Twitter, five, like $5 million for an elite skill position player for a college is life-changing. I think that's so, fantastic. Yeah, I think that I is agree. so fantastic yeah. because now they don't have to like go to the corner gas station, um, meet an alumnus who's got a paper bag in their hand. And only if you're, that paper and that paper bag has probably like a fraction of the money that might actually help his parents out and he might get in trouble for doing it. And he only can be at a certain program for actually to be in that situation in the first place when it should just be out in the open. They're making money for these schools. So why not? They are making so much money for these schools. The last deal, the, the last SEC deal with ESPN, I believe, was worth $75 million per school. That deal is about to get renegotiated because Texas and Oklahoma um, – are uh, and I'm sorry per school per year of the contract. So every year they get 75 million. That deal is getting ready to be renegotiated because Texas and Oklahoma are joining the 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 uh, the SEC. It's good that they're, the schools are going to get 130, 100 somewhere around there, maybe even more, 100 million per year um, because of the the 
you've got Apple, Amazon, you've got Netflix, all of these. The, the business of college football, you can bring someone to your stream. Look what we're doing right now with uh, uh, Amazon Prime. You have to watch Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. Yes, you have, you know, your streaming shows, but if you want to command an audience, it's live sports. Live sports is where the money is. And so these schools are making money and the players should be making money uh, too. So that very short tangent uh, there, but we've had, it's not insignificant the time that we're in right now. And I think about guys in the NFL right now who are one-time uh, one time transferred. One of my favorite players, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, coming out of high school, uh, he didn't have the grades, went to JUCO, ran for 2,000 yards, and then ended up at Oklahoma. Rashad White, the running back there for Tampa Bay, same story. Brandon Ayuk, a JUCO transfer. Um, uh, Justin Fields. Justin Fields was the number two overall player in his class, started at Georgia. Uh, uh, Kirby Smart decided to start um, – Oh, from yes, from Jake from <laughs> over Justin Fields. Justin Fields bolts for for uh, for Ohio State. Joe Burrow was in that Ohio State uh, quarterback room. Jamison Williams was a second line wide receiver just 19 months ago for Ohio State, playing with Marvin Harrison Jr. Actually, in that second line, but behind Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So this is not an insignificant time. When I look at the 2023 class, there are a couple of guys who are projected to be first or early round draft picks, skill position players who were one-time transferees. Jameer Gibbs was at Georgia Tech, now at Alabama. Jared Verse was an FCS player, the defensive end there at uh, Florida State. Um, uh, Jordan Addison won the Bolitnikoff Award at Pitt. He's now at USC. Drew Sanders was an athlete turned linebacker at Alabama, couldn't get on the field. He transfers to Arkansas and is now projected to be uh, a first-round draft pick. And, of course, your boy Will Levis. Will Levis was at Penn State before he, um, he ain't uh, mine. made the <laughs> <laughs> But we'll talk about that later. Okay. And he's now, he is now uh, uh, at Kentucky. So, um, all right. So, But some names that I am paying – and I should say that the, the transfer portal is is open. Just because you haven't declared on December 5th doesn't mean that you won't because we still have bowl games and players may declare either for the NFL draft or for the portal after their bowl games. I think that we're going to get some big names uh, enter the portal. Last year we had Caleb Williams. That was yeah, huge. Massive. Caleb Williams transferring from uh, Oklahoma to, to uh, USC. But for now, some guys that I'm paying attention to, uh, tight end slash running back. He's really like a Jalen Samuels type, if you all remember Jalen yes. Samuels from the uh, the, the Steelers. Jaheim yeah. Bell uh, from South Carolina, he's put his name into the into the portal. He really finished the season at running back, was getting you know, 10, 12-plus carries uh, a game, but is probably a tight end. Two wide receivers that are slot guys who can make you miss and run after the catch. I love these Randall Cobb types. I absolutely yeah. love them. JoJo Earl from Alabama and Dominic Lovett uh, from Missouri. Wow. Missouri seems to have a hold on these guys from East St. Louis High School. Very good uh, football program, East St. Louis. Um, 
Uh, Luther Burden was there in East St. Louis. Dominic Lovett from East St. And there's a quarterback there on Missouri's team from uh, that program. Well, Dominic Lovett has entered the entered the transfer portal. I really believe he's going to end up at Texas, Alabama, like one of these blue bloods. He is a name to watch. And as a matter of fact, I think the, these players that I'm naming here, I think that eventually we're going to be reading about them in the RSP, whether it be in 2024 or some subsequent year. I think that we're going to be reading about these players. So those two wide receivers, uh, Dominic Lovett and JoJo Earl, and, and and they are both slot wide receivers, but JoJo Earl reminds me very much of Dante Hall. Okay. If you remember yes. the Kansas Kick City returner. Chiefs. Yeah. Yes. Every every touch is like a punt return. Um, uh, uh, just has that that skill set. He has dealt with injuries at Alabama. He's dealt with, you know, he he uh, hurt himself like right before the season was starting, and then kind of didn't regain uh, his spot. But had been pegged as the starter there at, at Alabama, and hopefully Texas. I think he he could go to Texas also. That's where he's from, Aledo, Aledo, Texas. A good, uh, great program there in Texas. Dorian Singer, wide receiver from Arizona, true sophomore who was very productive there for an upstart team at Arizona. I'm actually surprised that he's entered the transfer portal, um, but he has. He's he's. I think that he's going to transfer up. Carson Steele, a running back from Ball State, uh, no star recruit, unsung hero. You know. Uh, didn't was not ranked by 24/7 if I remember correctly. Very either very lowly or not ranked at all. But he is a um, he's got an NFL body. He catches the ball. You know he's he can do a little bit of everything. I'm really interested to see where he lands because it, when these guys transfer from uh, the Group of Five or from FCS to FBS, it's interesting to see how they stack up at that level. Uh, Cameron Ward was, for anybody paying attention to Pac-12 football, Cameron Ward was one of those guys uh, this past year. Uh, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head, but it's just interesting to see when they go up a level in competition how they how they fare. Um, well, and then, Ramondre what, Stevenson went up a level. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. So he's forgot. a good yes. example of that. So, yeah. Yes. You know, Ramondre, more people would have known Ramondre Stevenson's name had he not been suspended for the first six games of his last season. Yeah. Because people just like stopped paying attention and uh, they would have known his name. So, um, and then one quarterback, Drake May's backup at North Carolina, Jacoby Criswell. Okay. Um, North Carolina, I think, has one of the best quarterback rooms in the country between May, Criswell, and true freshman Connor Harrell. All of them can ball. Jacoby Criswell, a little bit bigger guy with a strong arm. He's already been linked to Arkansas. I don't know. You know, Arkansas has KJ Jefferson there. Um, uh, But so those, what, let's see, one, two, three, six. Those six are the names that I'm paying attention to right now that I think think we're going to be reading about them. Uh, in the RSP uh, uh, one year. But so those are the names. I'll just say them again. Jaheim Bell, tight end, Dominic Lovett, and JoJo Earl, uh, wide receivers, Dorian Singer, wide receiver, Carson Steele, running back, and Jacoby Criswell, quarterback. I love it. And listen, so if, you know, you mentioned the RSP, well, if you've been waiting for the RSP to go available for pre-sale in terms of being able to pre-order it for the April 1 download of the pre-draft and then the post-draft that comes a week afterwards, well, you can order it at a, at a discount, an early bird discount through 
December 22nd through Thursday, December 22nd. You can get it available for $19.95. Now, for those of you who perversely wait for that period to end so that you can give me more money and thank you for doing that, you you know, the regular low price of $21.95 is in effect from Friday, December 23rd through whenever you want to buy the 2023 RSP. It, again, it, it's for download. April 1st, just like it has been for the past 17 years, heading into its 18th year of publication. Yes, it is uh, pondering schools and where it's going to sign and, um, it, you know, as well as maybe a trade school. I don't know. It's it, it's not sure what it wants to do at this stage of the game, but it profiles at least 150 players at the offensive skill positions at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And you can go to mountwaldmanrsp.com, learn all about the RSP and what it has to offer. Um, you know, and fantasy players love it. It's rooted in, in real football. You know, you can see the, the testimonials I get from people like Will Hewlett, Will Hewitt, who's a um, quarterback coach who worked with guys like Brock Purdy, um, who we just heard about this week, you know, guys who were just you know trying to get drafted. Well, he's kind of stepped up his game because he's also working with Anthony Richardson this year. He's done a little work with Trevor Lawrence this past offseason. He's been on this on film rooms with me. He'll tell you, you know, he'll tell you about the process with the RSP. He finds valuable. Russ Landy, you know, current head of U.S. scouting and podcast podcast co-host here on the show you know he'll tell you as well as well as just pretty much anybody in who does dynasty football um it's the best thing i do by far you you can get it at mountwaldman.com it's available at the low low price of 1995 and then after that after this period of the 20 after the 22nd you can get it for just the regular low price of 2195 and of course if you like the projections package that's available separately at twenty four ninety five. You get rankings um, updated every month in a spreadsheet or PDF format, as well as um, some projections that I do with that um, for every player. So if you want just the answers, but you don't want the explanation and you want it to cover your dynasty format, you get the projections package. If you want to get better at understanding how how to kind of look at film and evaluate football and learn a little bit more about the game and about these players, then you want the RSP because it informs that. And that's the cheaper one actually. So I, I, I just make you pay for the, for the straight answers. Cause I, I, you know, I, I, when people look back at me and said, Hey, what's the answer to this? You know, I wanted to make them pay for that too. Um, not that I gave them answers, but I wanted to make them pay just, just for asking that question but you, you'll enjoy it either way <laughs> it's funny it's funny you say that because it does seem like when you get the rsp you're you've 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 taken the test and you don't know what your grade is and then you get the rsp and you get to see your grade so like you know when i'm when i love zach wilson and i read the rsp i'm like oh no <laughs> oh no so I am, you know, some players that I'm just like, I can't wait to see the evaluation on. Of course, Anthony Richardson, who we've spoken uh, about extensively here. Dwayne McBride, the running back out of UAB. He's been someone that I've, I don't know that he will declare for this draft, but uh, if he does, he's a, a player that I've really gravitated towards. A G5 guy with a bigger body, uh, some speed. Josh Downs, the slot wide receiver from North Carolina. And then, my favorite player in college football, a three-star recruit who could have gone to some G5 team and started from day one and not compete with four and five-star number one ranked players uh, at their position, Mayan Williams from Ohio State. Uh, he also could go back to school 
but just a, a bowling ball or I've heard a bowling ball of knives. That's what Mayan Williams is. So those are the, some some players that I'm really looking forward to reading on, uh, this year in the RSP. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to, to to being able to write those guys up and watch some of the ones that I haven't quite watched yet. Um, but we're going to talk about a couple of quarterbacks later in Will in Will Levis and revisit Anthony Richardson because I've watched enough of those guys to feel like I can talk about them at a level that um, – will be informative for you listening when it comes to drafting them right now in fantasy leagues. Um, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit more about the off season that's coming mm -hmm. in for campus to Canton, um, because it's definitely, I would have to imagine it's a fun time and there's a lot of things that you're, that you're looking at. I mean, if there's over 1400 players who could transfer, it seems to me that like, if if you're someone who loves football, then you're like, no, I'm not getting a break. I'm just getting into another phase. Yes. This is my favorite time of year because we actually get to process and we can find new players. But so right now what we're doing is we're working on the freshman guide. Uh, this, this incoming class, we got kids who are a couple of weeks away from enrolling in school. You have early enrollees. Um, they're going to get started with the 2023 spring practice se session. So we will be preparing uh, our freshman guide uh, this year, our Debbie guide and our CFF guide. Um, you know, the, the great thing about campus to Canton leagues are, yes, we have the Bijan Robinsons and the Bryce Youngs and the CJ Strouds, those types of players that we have rostered and everyone knows about them. But the fun thing about campus to Canton leagues is we get to play the players from the Mountain West Conference and the MAC Conference and the AAC. And, and, you know, what does Sean Lewis being hired from Kent State to work for Deion Sanders at Colorado, what does that mean? I know that you're familiar with uh, Jay Norvell. Jay Nor we don't think that Jay Norvell had the season at Colorado State that we were expecting, but what can we expect from uh, Clay Millen and, and company as quarterback there? Uh, Jay Norvell was the head coach for Carson Strong, and Carson Strong's la two good uh, last years, last two good years yeah. there in college. So just tracking all of that information. Um, and, and then we're going to lose this whole NFL draft class, so that will, will of course, uh, uh, cause our rankings to move around. So we got to make sure our rankings are right when we lose that draft class. And, um, and then include the, the freshmen. In our rankings, but the thing that I really love love about the offseason, it seems to happen right around February uh, when we're done with the Super Bowl, is is taking a second look at players that we got to who kind of caught my eye, and I always keep a list of guys that like I need to go I need to go watch them. Just some names, really quickly. Yes, Taylor Green, a six foot six dual threat quarterback out of Boise State. Um, uh, he is a Second year, he's a is he's a freshman or a sophomore, but has played uh, impressively down the stretch here for Boise State. I want to look at him, EJ Warner, a true freshman, Kurt Warner's son uh, at Temple. We mentioned Colorado, Jordan Tyson, a true freshman wide receiver at, at there at Colorado, who I think is going to stay. I think he's going to be one of their better players. Uh, Colby Young, a big possession wide receiver at Miami. Joseph Griffin. Another possession wide receiver playing with Zay Flowers there at Boston College. Uh, Kobe Pesor at North Carolina. I think that he is going to assume the slot role for Josh Downs. That role is always um, 
Uh, we think about uh, Elijah Moore and Josh Downs. Those are guys who have occupied that role in in um, Phil Longo's system. MJ Morris, a, a f- true freshman quarterback at NC State. There's a reason why Devin Leary has entered the transfer portal, I think, because MJ Morris is going to take that position. And then um, one of my, uh, another favorite here uh, at, at Kent State, Devontez Walker. Okay. Uh, a, a bigger uh, uh, wide receiver with some speed who's been productive, even against Georgia this year, he had over 100 yards receiving. So just getting uh, a, another set of eyes on these guys is why I love the offseason because, you know, there's not new information coming in. We can just go t- take a breath yeah, and, and, and be a little bit more detailed with, uh, with these players. That's awesome. Well, listen, if you haven't heard enough about, you know, college players, you can't get enough about, you know, about who these guys are, where they're going and getting a chance to, to use them in your, in your, in your fantasy life with these games. Do campus to Kent because it's the most immersive form of fantasy football today. It's dynasty fantasy football paired with college fantasy and playing a college matchup and an NFL matchup each week means that you get to, you know, you get to use these guys from, you know, who are transferring that we've talked about um, to players that are starting to develop and get starting spots or, or bigger roles with their teams, along with guys that we've seen this year, like, you know, Bijan Robinson and CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison, you know, chop liver and can help you win your college matchup for the week. And when your college players declare for the NFL draft, well, they're, they're just added to your NFL roster, which just makes it even more exciting on that level because you've been invested in them for that long, or you acquired them recently knowing, you know, that you saw ahead and that you could make that smooth move to, you know, making that guy be a, a big part of what your, you know, what your team's going to be about. So, you, you know, it's as simple as that. This is just an awesome league. You can go to campusdecanton.com to get started and play both sides, play campus to Canton. We, uh, December is a big month because you got the transfer portal opening and we expect to have a, a bigger names enter the transfer portal. But then you also have early signing day. So you can have a player who is committed to a school, but <laughs> these commitments aren't worth anything. Yeah. On December 21st is early signing day. It's the first time where the player can sign on the dotted line and then like that's it. So it's a big it's a big month um, uh, for us just tracking all of this information. And if you're thinking about starting a campus to Canton league with your friends, I would wait until March or April because, you know, it's not like the NFL, like you get a whole class of players that leave that graduate, that transfer, the depth charts are in flux. And we get a lot of information in the spring practice season. And by the time spring games are over, you know, we should know, Hey, these freshmen that, enrolled in January. Where are they at in the depth chart? How are, you know, things shaking out? So it's the perfect time to start looking at them right now. And then in in April, right around the NFL draft, when these spring games are done, that's when you should have your, your startup, your startup drafts, but start getting that information now. That's awesome. See, now you have time to get ready and so that you can have, make the most out of this. So you, you brought this up a little bit in passing, and, and obviously we want to talk about it in more detail. And that's Deion Sanders. 
um, moving on to Colorado. You know, he he took his team Jacksonville State, correct? Is Jackson or is it Jackson Jackson State? Jackson State. Jackson State. Jackson State. Jackson State. I haven't yeah. I haven't been take, paying too much attention to be honest with you with 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 Deion Sanders. I have a funny story about him personally, but like he's you know obviously even if you're paying t- attention on the periphery. You've seen that what I may not know the name of the school, probably where he was, unfortunately. Um, but as you can see, I cloistered myself from a lot of stuff. But he, I do know that he took Jackson State to being um, undefeated, that they are going to the Celebration Bowl, that they have a chance to win a national championship in their conference, um, in their um, in their league. And that's huge. And he's done a ton to upgrade their facilities and recruit top players and to really take advantage of a lot of the NIL stuff that's going on to really, um, you know, bring an HBCU into the spotlight. Um, At the same time, I do know on the periphery, because I haven't delved in it, that there has been some backlash and criticism about Deion Sanders going to Colorado after as if like he took advantage of the opportunity to move to the next step. But at the same time, I guess my question to you is Felix. I mean, isn't that kind of what everybody does in, in coaching that like, you, you know, if were we, were we questioning, I'm trying to think of the, the, the coach for the Ohio state back in the Jim Trestle, were we criticizing Jim Trestle when he went to like, he was coaching in, what Dayton Youngstown, or Youngstown State? State. Youngstown State. Yeah. yeah, and and moved up to Ohio State. Were we criticizing for that? Were we criticizing Kirby Smart for getting an opportunity at Georgia, or or anybody for being able to move up in what they do? I I don't know. I mean, that's I I don't know the details of this, so I'm just curious to what you think about about this move. Um, I don't think it'd be understated the impact that he's having on college football. And I was made, I, I said this on our uh, radio, our Saturday morning radio show, and I was made fun of a little bit, but I likened it to LeBron James um, being in Cleveland and the impact that not even that not only did he have on the success of the team, but there were studies done on like the economy around Cleveland that, that he brought. Well, when you look at Deion Sanders, I saw a video today, Don Lemon and CNN, are doing a panel discussion about Deion Sanders. Have they ever done that for, you talked about Nick Saban. Um, college Thank game goodness. day. <laughs> college, college game day went to Jackson, Mississippi. College game day doesn't, you know, go to HBCU. Speaking of which, I bet you there are people who are finding out what HBCU stands for. They still as are, a result. Yeah. Yeah, I, hey, at least of... I do know that, but that's because <laughs> much of my family went to Winston-Salem State. Okay, um, so, okay, okay. So if I didn't know that, I'd be shamed out of my family. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. He still comes with the antic and, you know, God brought him here to save HBCUs and now he's leaving the HBCUs. But, I mean, he's bringing a t- real attention to the sport. He's being bringing real um I think investment in dollars to whatever program that he's associated with. He is legitimately grabbing some of the best recruits in the country to a program that either didn't have a history of attracting those types of recruits or no recent history of attracting those types of recruits. And so 
I as a as a person in the business of of college football, I just he's yes, he is polarizing, but the attention that he's bringing, I think, is really really good for college football. Who I saw your boy, I saw um, I saw uh, uh, Cecil throw on his on his Buffaloes hat uh, this weekend in anticipation of of Dion coming. He's getting people excited about that program now. And that's just, it's not a bad thing. Will he leave in five years for another job? Maybe, maybe, but the impact that he's going to make for that school while he's there, it's going to be felt. It's going to be felt. We're going to be watching. Um, he's almost like the Jerry Jones of college football now. So um, it's, it's great intrigue. It's great for storylines. Let's see if he can develop some players there. I'm sure that his son is going to follow him. His son is a quarterback for Jackson State. Shador Sanders uh, was a four-star prospect. Uh, Travis Travis Hunter is a, f- a freak of nature. He can play both sides of the ball. Uh, he plays cor- cornerback and, and wide receiver, mostly cornerback. But if he played wide receiver, he'd be a, a number one player at that position too. But let's see if he can develop those guys. And when he starts putting guys into the NFL draft and if he was able to get those types of recruits to Jackson State, what is he going to be able to do at Colorado? So I'm just really intrigued to see what the next two or three years looks like there in uh, Boulder. Well, my my brother as an alum of the University of Colorado is probably super excited about this. And I, I think my comment about this is when I hear people talk about that he's a sellout for leaving an HBCU, I'll put it just this way, is that you have to know the nature of the game. And the nature of the game is that he's a head coach. And he's trying to advance his career. And he and like you said, he did a ton for them. What more are you asking him to do? We wouldn't ask Nick Saban to do any more than what he's done. And the way I look at it is this. Whether, you know, let's compare Nick Saban to, you like comedians, he's Stephen Wright, okay? <laughs> you know, Stephen Wright, the deadpan comic, you know? And then you could say, let's just say Kevin Hart, okay? Let's say he's a hot comic, I guess, right? So... You could say Dion maybe is the Kevin Hart of, you know, you could compare it. Well, they're still comics. It doesn't matter what the delivery is. You know what the game is. And the game is, is that they need to sell people on getting excited about what they're doing. They need to change cultures when they arrive at new places. And they're going to try and build opportunities to to continue to win because the ultimate goal for Dion Sanders, if Dion Sanders is a competitor, He's a competitor. He was a competitor in college. He was a competitor in the NFL. What do you, you wanted to win national championships? He wanted to win Super Bowls. Now he's a coach. Well, yeah, you want to win a national championship. He's on the verge of doing that in, in the level that he's at. Now he wants to go to the next level and show that he can do that. And he's probably going to want to see if he can go to the NFL at some point and see that. Who knows? Maybe he'll, maybe he has a different ceiling and decides where he wants to be. But obviously it ain't done for him in terms of where he wants to go. So, uh, you know, I mean, I can joke and say, I remember when I remember, I remember waiting tables on Deion Sanders when I was in, I I was in my early twenties and he was in his mid twenties and he had just gotten arrested by an overzealous Duluth, Georgia police officer for him parking in a fire lane at probably 11 o'clock at night to go into a pharmacy to get, something and the and when i say overzealous listen i had cop friends who literally told me that the police officers in that city would literally pull people over and say that their radar gun had them at a certain 
speed, but they were ahead of the person in the car. How did they actually do that? And the, you know, and the cops being angry with these police officers, they arrested him for something that was really could have just been a ticket. And, and the argument really didn't call for him to get cuffed and all of that. And it turned into a big nothing burger anyway, but it was like in the early nineties and I, you know, he always was a showy guy. Like he walked yeah. into where I where yes. I worked. He walked in like he was Ric Flair. He was with like two yeah. other guys. They were in t-shirts. He was in a mustard yellow Italian suit, and I was working at a Bennigan's, which is even funnier because when you think about that back in the day, like an office, me in shorts and Flair, and the, and Deion <laughs> Sanders in a Deion Sanders in a mustard yellow linen suit, um, you know, in an empty Bennigan's acting like he's talking to everyone in the same way that he comes in and is doing a show for the Colorado players. It's not that much different. He was a great cornerback. You know, he was a, he's a big personality that's, and it's entertaining. And it's also very effective in terms of what he backs. Cause he's, he's a hall of fame player and he's got he's a hall of fame player and Marty. Uh, I'm sorry, Martin Mayhew. Uh, the longtime G- G- uh, general manager for the Detroit Lions, who's also a lawyer, went to law school while he was in the NFL, which yeah. is crazy. He went to jo- I think he went to Georgetown while he was playing for the Redskins. Wow. Uh, he was team longtime teammates and roommates with Deion Sanders, and always talked about how good of a teammate he was. And if you know Martin Mayhew, he's super quiet and understated. He was and- a serious football player from yeah. the level of like. He was not a showman. He was just a get-the-job-done no. guy. No. And he's always had positive things to say about Dion. The only the one regret that I have is I did not make it to Jackson State to see a game. Yeah. I'm not going to make that mistake about Boulder. I, they, I think they start the season next year against uh, Nebraska. I might be going to that game because I need I need I want to get a piece of the show. I want to see it. Well, enjoy the campus. It's a beautiful campus. I've been up there a number of times because my father lived in Colorado for nearly um, for nearly 50 years. Well, for over 40 years. Um, And I got to go out there a fair bit. And like I said, my brother graduated from there. It's a beautiful campus. You'll enjoy it um, a a great deal up there. Um, It's it's unique on that level. So so, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing to see what he's been able to do in such a quick period of time. That also tells you it's not just about the money. There's also a skill to be able to attract that kind of money. That that's very important in college football. I mean, don't undersell that. But we know he knows his football. The fact that he could also bring that element to it is fantastic. And he's he's just a he's just a more he's a a more extroverted salesman than Nick Saban. And if you don't think Nick Saban isn't a good salesman, then you haven't been paying attention to college football for a long time because he's, I mean, he's as charming as the devil in certain ways and in in terms of uh, (laughs) what he can do in a living room. I mean, and and being able to recruit people. Um, So I was trying to think of who could replicate what it is that Deion Sanders is doing. And the one name, two names, Ed Reed, Peyton Manning. Yes. I think I think those two could go anywhere and potentially do the same thing. Yeah. I would I think Ed Reed could and I would love to see well Ed Reed is one of my all-time favorite players just without a doubt. So, I would love to see Ed Ed Reed wanted to be an NFL coach it sounds like. So, he was kind of shooting for that, but maybe 
I don't know if he wants to do the showman, you know, do the do the sales pitch type of stuff that you have to do on college, and that might be the the big issue with him. I could see Peyton like managing that because he seems to manage the public eye very well. He's he's great at managing public perception, um, even when things haven't gone, even when he's been responsible for some things that he shouldn't have done, and that you could probably look back and go, wow. Um, and he's, he seems Teflon, he, you know, he seems to have like Teflon with his PR, um, in a way. So yeah, he's masterful in that regard, but yeah, I mean, enough of that. I mean, it's a, we wish the best of luck to Dion and it's going to be fun to watch and see what he's able to do and the type of players that he's going to be able to attract. But let's talk about, let's revisit Anthony Richardson and, and, and round this out with Anthony Richardson and Will Greer. And I kind of want to do a comparison contrast Felix with these two guys because I couldn't be further apart on them um, from what I've seen thus far. And, and granted, it's only been three games apiece for each guy, but they've had common opponents. Um, I've watched them both against Georgia. I've watched them both against Tennessee. Just to clarify, you mean Will Levis, not Will, Will Levis. Greer. We're not talking about Will, Will Greer. Greer. Did I, no, no, no. Did you, I say yeah, Will, Will Greer? Levis. You did. did. You oh, did. Oh, look Will. at me. See, I'm. See, look at that. People Sorry still remember that. Will Greer. Yeah, yeah. they do. No, Will and, yeah. Well, Maya Culpa. He he didn't take it seriously. What do you want me to tell you? You know, he didn't get ready for it, and he pretty much is now relegated to being a QB two. Maybe in a few years, with some work, maybe we'll get a chance to see a mature Will Greer. But Will Levis and Anthony Richards. Thank you for you know for clarifying that. But I couldn't be further apart on them. I mean, you know, so you know the floor. Georgia and Tennessee were common opponents. I watched um, Richardson also against LSU. I watched Levis. Um, I'm trying to remember who was the the final team. I watched him against um, Florida. Watched him against Florida. Um, so here's the thing that I, I I'm it was fascinating to hear you talk about them early in the season, especially you know Richardson and how polarizing he has been. And maybe I'll see more tape that explains otherwise, but I picked the toughest defenses that I thought I could find that he faced this year just to just to see. And I was extremely impressed with him because the the first thing that stood out, it had nothing to do with the physicality. Like that doesn't, you know, yeah, he has that Steve McNair, Ben Roethlisberger kind of build. He's strong. He's someone that has like real horsepower when it comes to like running through and dragging people. He's going to drag like Georgia defensive tackles three or four yards when they're wrapped around him. He's going to also be able to run around people. And he has that stamina in the uh, open field to make moves like a running back and make someone miss and then still maintain that speed. Kind of like Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch wasn't a blazing fast guy but you look at all those amazing runs that he had and part of it was that he had that stamina to continue to play at the same intensity and pace um throughout the entire length of the run where other guys would get gassed and anthony richardson has that as a runner which is crazy but to me that's kind of like the sideshow of his game like that's not that that's a that's like a that's a that's a side uh, uh, to his entree because the entree of his game is he's terrific in the pocket. Like he knows 
he's automatically climbs in the pocket. There are so many quarterbacks. When I watch them, the first thing that I look for is when when pressure comes, is there and they didn't expect it. What's their first reaction? And it's usually to retreat. This that's the worst thing. That's the and it's usually the first thing I see is they try to back up and retreat. The second worst thing, which is dealable usually, is they try to flush or roll out to the side. I'm okay with that in some circumstances. That That's a little better than just trying to back up like Tim Tebow, where he was a good example of that, would just completely just retreat five or ten yards and be backing up the whole way. The The best thing is, will you climb? It's like, it's like the boxer who, in, when he tries to avoid a punch, he goes in towards the punch as opposed to trying to, to stay away from it. Um, the flashy guys can do it with great speed. But you want to kind of embrace, you know, and get closer into certain guys in certain situations. And Anthony Richardson, first response, he's a climber. He climbs the pocket. And he does it with the incremental movement. So he's not, oh, I'm unbelievably mobile. So therefore, like Kyler Murray, I'm going to make, or Michael Vick, I'm going to make these dynamic moves where I drop my eyes, hold the ball out, and completely, like, lose track of the defense when I move. Anthony Richardson moves with his feet under his pads. His The ball is in a position to throw it at any moment. He's in control. And he baits pressure within a step of him. So to me, that's like Lamar Jackson. You know, that's like Steve McNair. It's like Tom Brady. They know when to move early. They know when to wait till the defender's on top of them and maximize separation by moving late. And they know those situations when to do it. And on top of that, he's, you know, when the, the thing that impressed me the most about him that I just, I'm still like, kind of like when I hear, when I heard that he's polarizing and I still just can't understand it is that I watch him and every throw that I've seen him make where he's, dealing with multiple points of coverage he's accounting for coverage that isn't even primarily covering the the target that he's throwing to and this is like one of the most common mistakes even top prospects make is that they'll throw a ball into a zone and not account for the defender who's adjacent to them either it's because they couldn't see him and it's understandable or they should have seen him but they're not at that level yet and he's like He's placing balls that you that people might look at at first and go, well, that was inaccurate. He made the receiver have to bend down to get that. And then if you look at it again, you go, oh no, he saw the defender in the flat peeling off the uh, off of his coverage to try and attack that. And while on the move with pressure that he rolled away from or climbed and then flushed away from, he's throwing the ball low and into the body of the receiver, so the receiver is forced to slide to catch it. And then ends up avoiding the hit. I watched one of his receivers do this on a play in LSU. And the receiver literally looked like he didn't want to get down. And when he finally caught the ball, you could see him realize why he was forced down like that. Because he was trying to still get ahead. And then he saw the defender basically shooting for his frame. And it was almost like, oh, you thanks for helping me out there. I almost wondered why you were doing that. I mean, it was like too quick to for it to really be that conversation on that level. But you could tell that Richardson multiple times, like almost all the time I watch him, he's always placing the ball to avoid, to protect his receivers 
or to avoid a defender that isn't there, that, that is peeling off, that wasn't the primary part of coverage. And that's so important in the NFL. And on top of that, Felix, I couldn't believe how much he manipulated defenders in the middle of the field where he would look downfield and he would see that the one I remember the most of all is I think it was the Tennessee game where there's an over route to Pearsall and it's an intermediate overall over route. And he, and he, I think he goes through one or two reads before he gets to Pearsall and he sees Pearsall there and he knows that's who he wants to go to, but he's not open because there's a flat defender who's dropped in the intermediate range of the field. Who's just sitting there in that area and he's not going to be able to layer the throw which he layers a lot of throws and when i talk about that's like over and around defenders and zones that people when they get all impressed about layering throws they bring up justin herbert you know, who's great at layering throws or patrick mahomes you know but he layers throws all the time but he sees this and goes there's no way i can do this so he ends up looking back to one of the reads that he wasn't going to go to forcing the defender to move and then throwing the ball to that open spot or look to the check down. He'll look to the check down and he does it so well is that he'll look in that other direction. And then the minute he sees the guy buy it, he just flips his body around and gets rid of that ball so fast. And it's, and that vacated area was created all by, by Anthony Richardson's eyes and I've seen him do this multiple times, especially with the check down. It's so clever because it looks like he's going to the check down and it's over. And then it sucks up the flat defender and he just puts it right over them. And he does it on the move to his right. He does it on the move to his left. He does it from the pocket. And I'm sitting here watching this and going, how's this guy a project? Like what, what on earth are people talking about that this guy's a project? I mean, I, I, I understand that they're, I've seen a couple of plays where people have brought up um, where he's made an impulsive throw, trying to squeeze something in and, and it's an interception and I'm going, okay, so Matthew Stafford first overall pick for the Detroit lions used to do this all the time when I was grading him at Georgia. Um, but he's, he, he was doing the things that Anthony Richardson is doing and maybe not as well in some, some of those ways. And so thus far after watching him, I don't know, man. I can't believe that this guy's like being considered like the sixth. If if he's the sixth best quarterback in this draft class, then I can't wait to watch the five that are better than him. Because and I'm watching one of them tonight is Bryce Young. I'm going to be watching him tonight for the first time. And and I because I wait till later on quarterbacks. And I, I I can't wait to watch him because if he's that much better than Anthony Richardson, this must be one of the best quarterback classes I've ever seen. And I'm kind of skeptical that that's the case. So uh, what you all the throws that you're mentioning, Matt, you should say is they're available on your YouTube page. You put together a 22 minute video on Anthony Richardson's pocket management. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day day before. Uh, So find Matt's video on, on his YouTube page. I've talked about Anthony Richardson a couple of times uh, on this show and and for the last two years uh, over on the Camp of the Can podcast feed. And I felt so ashamed watching your video. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I've always talked about um, some of the physical tools and the athleticism. And you broke it down with 
what skills he has as a quarterback. Climbing the pocket, his eye movement, his anticipation, um, sliding around in the pocket. I'm like, these are the things that I should have been pointing out uh, that, that you did uh, in your video. It's just super encouraging if you're a fan of this player like I am. Uh, you're going to be really encouraged by uh, some of the things that, that Matt points out to you in the video, some of which he's described here. But visually, when you see it on the All-22, it's undeniable. it breaks down. Yeah. I would recommend that everybody go take a – to go take a look at, at it. And I know some people like listen to YouTube while they're doing other stuff. You got to sit down and watch uh, this one. So I would go check that out. Yeah. And, and in contrast, I just watched Will Levis, you know, last night and today. And I got to tell you, like, I don't get it. Like, I know that like Rich Scangarello is the quarterback coach at Kentucky. He was an NFL quarterback coach. You know, there's someone who's a friend of this program who mentioned to me last year before Scangarello came, that Scangarello was talking up, um, you know, was talking up Will Levis um, and saying that this guy's an NFL, you know, legit NFL prospect. I think he's a legit NFL prospect, but to me, a legit NFL prospect doesn't necessarily mean a franchise quarterback. Um, and he will certainly get drafted by the NFL machine and by the old school NFL ways of studying quarterbacks. Does he have a big arm? Check. He can make the he can make the big throws. He can throw the ball 58, 60 yards downfield from his pitch point and have um, what I would call area code accuracy at least, um, maybe even a little better than that. Um, he can make the opposite hash throws in the vertical on vertical routes within you know 20 to 30 yards and hit those. He he played at Penn State as you mentioned Penn State and Kentucky. You can see him drop from center. He can give you the one three five seven one two three five and seven step drops. Um, he, he can give you some of the rollout game. He'll do some of the play action stuff. Um, but and he's big enough to carry the football and 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 quick enough to move the chains for you in certain situations for sure. So there's some things that you could say from a coaching standpoint. He can execute the things that coaches are looking for. But who really cares about that? Because all the quarterbacks need to be able to at least do that. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to, I need to get myself, um, you know, the best possible tuxedo that I can have. And someone's saying, well, it's got a cummerbund. It's got, you know, room for the cufflinks. It's got, you know, it's got the, you know, it has the it has a lapel. It's got buttons on it, and the, and and you're saying that's good, but that's all I need. You know, I don't need an Armani. You know, I don't I I don't need to I don't need to go to Armani to get my tux. You know, I'm just gonna go to, you know, wherever they go to get go to prom to get your tux. You know, it's a it's a different. You know, we're in a different arena at this point, Felix. And and with with Will Levis, when I watch him. When I watch him throw into coverage, he doesn't account for the what I call it is the ancillary defender. It's the guy who's in the zone adjacent to the the receiver that's being targeted, who can peel off his man or float over to his zone to cut off the ball. Will Levis doesn't account for that. Will Levis, Will Levis when I see him throw the ball, doesn't protect his receivers in certain situations like. I watched three games and I only saw one play where he actually threw a ball 
where he threw the receiver open and it was um it was a play where he threw it back shoulder and the receiver was looking front shoulder and and it was still off target and it was but most of the time I've seen him on plays in the red zone where he's throwing the ball and it's a design scheme play where at best maybe he's trying to force the ball to the back side so that the receiver doesn't get hit as hard or hit in the chest when he's throwing it but he shouldn't have thrown it at all because it was basically a recipe for a pick six and I've seen a lot of just missed pick sixes on his tape and that's not even getting to the mechanics of his game whereas where I'll watch Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. and I go I'm sure his mechanics can be tweaked a little bit maybe his drops can be a little faster and that's the other thing with Anthony Richardson with his drops you can say his drops can be a little faster maybe a little more precise but he you the feet are the I would say the fit, feet are the window into what the quarterback is processing and you can see him change the pace of his movement with control at any point that he needs to. Will Levis looks like Jameis Winston at FSU where Jameis's feet lagged about a beat behind his head. And so it and and it manifests in different ways, but Levis even when he's throwing the football his or when he drops back, the drops are a little slow, they're a little elongated. Um, when he does have to um, transition from his the top of his drop to his release, he'll if he's looking off a defender or looking to one side of the field and then going to throw to the other, his feet don't shift and then he throws. He starts throwing and his feet are still pointed in the direction mm-hmm. of where he was last looking. And then the feet shift as he's at the apex of his release. So what you end up having oftentimes is at best the midpoint of his back foot, which is what really is what drives the basic accuracy. Like your area code accuracy is that that middle part of your back foot needs to be aligned with your target. The front toe usually is the refined mechanism. You you know, it's kind of like if you had a gun, the butt of the gun is the, the butt of the gun is the midpoint of your back foot. And then the sight scope, the scope or the sight is actually your front toe. And your front toe is going to be that refined um, accuracy point. And Will Levis, when he throws, that front, you know, his his back foot may be pointed at the, at the target. And then his front toe is like pointed completely somewhere else. And you can see that he doesn't have refined accuracy, ends up sailing it because his body's just not aligned where it needs to be. So accuracy issues not accounting for the leverage of coverage that I often see from mid to late round picks who never become starters. Um, You know, not really keeping his receivers safe or reading leverage. He only throws the ball away when a defender is in his chest. And he often, his first thought is to retreat rather than it is to climb. He will climb occasionally. Is that, that's a Baker Mayfield issue, right? That's a Baker Mayfield issue for sure. A Tim Tebow issue, uh, Jake Locker, uh, Jake Lock, um, or Drew Lock issue. Excuse me, I got my Lock and Lockers mixed up. Um, you know, but at least I'm not talking about in um, college basketball players from the '80s at this time of the year because that's usually where I am when I'm tired. But the, but yeah, with Will Levis, I, I looked at him and I I've got more to watch and maybe there's better tape to see, but I see an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Um, pers- a possible NFL player. I don't see a first round draft pick 
I, you know, but I, at least from the standard of what, what you say, people say they want what now. So the reality is, is he'll probably get picked in the first round. Um, you know, somebody said on Twitter, Tom, he's going to get trained by Tom house. He's going to have a great workout and everything scripted. going to look wonderful. And some team's going to buy on that. Um, and that's the nature of the NFL. Um, but if you're talking about, you know, what shows up on film, um, I would say Will Levis is night and Anthony Richardson is day, um, you know, in, in terms of just like, and being the day being just a lot hotter and a lot more pleasant um, in terms of what you're looking for from a, a quarterback prospect. I don't get it. I, I'm right there. <laughs> I don't, I'm right there with you. Okay. I've had a lot of guys ahead of uh, uh, Will Levis, including, you know, Jay Kaner, but, but, you know, I think part of the reason Will Levis is, rated as highly as he does is one, the fact that he does have uh, coaches with NFL backgrounds. And two is just like, you know, the, the body type. If Will Levis was six foot, you know, 190 pounds, I don't know that he would be getting the same commanding the same um, attention, but you're, you're saying some of the same things that we've said uh, about his 2021 tape. And then he had Wandell Robinson who could bail him out with, you know, bubble screens and stuff like that. But when you saw him throw the ball downfield, he would be uh, inaccurate and miss wide open players in the flat with no defenders around them and just had consistency issues. So um, I'm, I I don't have anything really to add because that's. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll end up with, with the, I'll end up with comps. Okay. If I were to comp, if I were to comp these two players and let's see if I can do this without pulling up stuff here all right so if i were to comp anthony richardson right now my comp is in the range of steve mcnair and ben roethlisberger kind of even as players um though i like mcnair better i would say that he's got more upside than dak prescott um mm -hmm. right now i think i if someone said to me you could start with you could start with dak prescott and what he is right now or you could um, and know what he's going to be. And you could start with Anthony Richardson, but not know for sure. I might give the edge to Anthony Richardson and not know for sure. That's kind of where I'm at with that. I think at his worst, if the bottom drops out with him, he's Mitchell Trubisky. Like in terms of like a guy who can run, who's got good size, got a big arm, and he just makes some mistakes that you would wish that he didn't make. But I haven't seen the conceptual issues with him where I would put him anywhere near Trubisky. I have him much closer to, to Roethlisberger and McNair in terms of the type of rugged. i tell you the one thing that scares player. me is yeah. that Trubisky was a, uh, a uh, he started one year in college. And so it has Anthony Richardson and both McNair and uh, Roethlisberger were multi-year starters. So that, that scares I, me a little bit. I get that. But the difference is, is that the things that I told you, that Will Levis, Will Levis does actually reminds me more of Mitchell Trubisky than Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson um, hasn't ever shown those things. Trubisky showed that stuff at UNC all year and everyone wanted to ignore that whenever he got, he was backed up inside his own 20 or in, his, in the red zone, 
that he could not manage the game with the maturity and wisdom that you recall for that was called for to be a field general. He was never a field general. He was like a field corporal, you know, and in, in, in comparison to what in comparison to Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson's already an officer. Like, you know, he may not be a general yet, but he's on his way. Whereas Mitchell Trubisky, I was wondering if he was ever going to get to officer school. Um, you know, and when you look at you look at Levis, well, Levis, my two comps for him, and I don't know if I have him on their level yet, are Blaine Gabbard and Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, it's it's night and day different. I mean, in terms of what we're looking at here. So I don't know. Maybe my mind will change based on seeing more compelling evidence, but I mean, most scouts only grade four games, okay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll grade as many as eight or nine, but usually that's just to look for certain details that are missing. I've seen a lot of details in these two guys' games, and three games is is pretty good enough to say um, there may be, there's maybe one or two areas that could change their grade. Um, if I see issues that might drop them or change – have them rise or drop um, a certain amount, but I can't imagine having Anthony Richardson below Will Levis in a grade ever. And I can't imagine Will Levis like climbing high enough for me to consider him a first round prospect. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at, but listen, folks, the, you know, this is always a fun show and, and we'll be talking about more prospects throughout the year and we appreciate you listening. Go check out campusdecanton.com. Get yourself ready for a league, especially now that you know that, you know, in March, April is really the time you want to really get it rolling. But get get ready now. Get your friends starting to look at it. And and then you can check out their Debbie guides and the, the college football guide and see these players and, and learn a little bit more about them. Because, hey, like like Felix said, around that time, you know, in a year or two from now, you're going to be reading about the RSP. And if you haven't checked out the RSP before, again, it's it's by far the best thing I do. You will be pleasantly shocked. Most people who do get it are surprised. They hear a lot of buzz about it. And then they're on the fence for a couple of years and then they get it. And then they're lifetime readers. I mean, most of my most of my subscribers have been longtime subscribers and stay with it. And I've been doing it full time for a reason. So I appreciate you all for for those of you who get it every year, um, much appreciative of having Felix as my co-host on this show. Um, he's been awesome, and we look forward to doing more with him. And uh, again, MountWaldmanRSP.com. Uh, and if you want to wait till after the pre-draft period because you're one of those perverse folks who say, I want to pay you more money, I'm, I'm good with that. I appreciate you. I appreciate the thought um, with that as well. And you guys have just a wonderful holiday season coming up. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.